going to finish up uh, a series on grace by uh, maybe taking a little different angle on it, but I think it's one that's appropriate for tonight. Um, since this is the uh, staff appreciation potluck, whatever, um, potluck dinner, potluck supper, potluck whatever you want to call it, um, there is uh, a certain degree of singling out that happens and, um, you know, all that stuff. And it's kind of weird in a church that consistently teaches the missional call of every believer to be a minister, to be a missionary, to be in the trenches, loving people and reflecting Christ and ministering and taking care of people. Um, it seems a little bit odd that at times we single out groups uh, of, of people, whether it's like community group leaders or our ministry team leaders or elders or staff or whatever. Um, but I want to kind of, um, this is certainly not an attempt to justify it, but I, I want to make sure that we um, biblically understand um, the grace of the way God has put his church together and how that is a means of protection for us. Um, I, I've, I try to stay in the habit of when I come up on Sundays uh, the, the first time out and I introduce myself, um, uh, I used to get in trouble for never saying, uh, for not saying I was the pastor. You know, I would say I'm the, I'm the pastor guy or pastor dude or whatever. And um, then people would always say, hey, look, dude, you need to own who you are. You are the pastor of the church. So, okay, 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 I'll get better about saying that. And then, um, then it got to a point where I was like, well, it doesn't really sound right um, because I'm not the pastor. Um, I'm one of the pastors. That biblically, when you look at the way church leadership is put together, uh, pastor, shepherd, overseer, bishop, elder are all, they're all the same. Like they are, are all used to describe the, uh, the caring for the flock uh, that happens. And so now I say I'm one of the pastors. And what I mean by that is our church has seven pastors. Biblically, our church has seven pastors. I may be the guy, I may be the, the lead pastor or the senior pastor or the, you know, whatever pastor. Um, but our church has seven pastors. Our church has two staff members who are, um, who basically we, we are paid not as hired employees of the church, but the church pays us so that we can focus on the roles that, that Megan, I can focus on the role that I play, Megan focus on the role that she plays, um, and not have to go out and get another job and, and whatever. Um, by paying a staff, what the church is saying is we believe that, that God has put you here um, to function in a certain way, and so we want you to be able to focus on functioning in that way because we believe it's for everybody's benefit. So we're going to designate a part of the, the tithes and offerings that we give to make sure that y'all's needs are met. Um, so I don't work for you. I'm not your employee. Um, that's, that's the way that the staff thing works. Um, our church has seven elders seven pastors. We are right now in the process of um, discerning um, if anybody is to be added to that group, and if so, who they, who they are. We're praying through that now. 
Um, and so what I want us to do, though, is I want us to look at, just for a few minutes, Acts chapter 20. Um, you can go ahead and turn there. Because in this passage, Paul is speaking to the elders in Ephesus. Um, and he, he does something that I want us to, to see in the context of a series on grace. All right? So there's, there's two reasons why. Um, there, there's kind of The goal for this time right now is twofold. Um, one, it is to inform your mind. We need to be informed about, uh, about the way the church is put together and, and organized and the way the church makes decisions and the way that different gifts play in and people play different roles and everybody plays a role. Um, we need to be informed about that in our mind um, very much on purpose. We need to know how and what elders, how they function and what they do so that as we are nominating or not nominating, we, um, we're not doing so out of just... The, this like, oh, I like this guy. He's pretty cool. Let's nominate him. If someone says, oh, your, your church has elders, that's kind of weird. Uh, what do elders do? You should not give an answer that basically describes us as a board of directors. We do more than decide what happens with the money and make changes to the church constitution and all that kind of stuff. Um, so some of it is to inform our minds. Uh, some of it is to bless our hearts and this is why. The bride of Christ is, uh, is one way of describing the church. And he is very, very protective of her. So protective that he has organized the church in such a way as to um, ensure her health, ensure her flourishing, ensure her future. Um, and everybody in the entire church plays a role in that. Everybody plays a different role. Over the summer, we talked about spiritual gifts and how every single person, literally everybody plays a role. One of, the, one of my least favorite uh, trendy church things is calling people next generation leaders. I hate that. When I see it on Twitter, I want to like stop following whoever said it. Great group of next, gener- next generation leaders meeting, you know, whatever. And it's usually talking about the youth group or the college group or whatever. I'm like, well, the Bible says that everybody, every generation, everybody plays a role. Everybody has a unique way that they manifest God's spirit. So if you're a teenager, there's our youth group. If you're a teenager, the role that you play, you don't have to wait for the next, for this generation above you to die before you can play it. You don't. Biblically, you, every, everybody does that, okay? So... God has put his church together in such a way or as he graciously and lovingly protects her. One time I went, I went out of town on this, on this mission-type trip, and it was during the time when, uh, it was before they caught Derek Totley, and every, like, Baton Rouge was, like, the most freaked-out city ever. Like, you couldn't smile at anybody. Like, you had to, like, look straight ahead at Walmart. Like, there's no, you know, if you drove a white truck, I mean, you might as well just stay home. I mean, it was just bad bad times. And um, when, when we were gone, I asked this, this guy, he was, he was married, you know, I said, uh, I said, hey, is your wife, is she nervous about you being gone because of everything? And so he starts going through this description of uh, how he, like, trained her and prepared her for what to do. He, he's, like, I, he's like, I took her, and I like, got the shotgun out, and I showed her how it all worked, and I put the shells in it, and I, I, 
I told her if she hears something, you know, where, where, to, where to get in the room and like how to get it ready and have it aimed at the door. I told her what to scream. Uh, I told her who to call. I have these people checking on her. Like he just like ran through the whole thing. He did everything he possibly could do um, to make sure that she felt safe and that she in many ways was safe and so that he had the peace of mind that while he was away, knowing that she would be looked after by others and, and okay in her own sense. The way that God has put the church together um, is, is the same thing. That while Jesus is gone and he is now at the right hand of the Father, um, he left instructions for his church in such a way that she would be protected and guarded to guarantee her future and her flourishment and that everything would be okay and that everything would function well. And the leadership of a church is a part of the way he graciously takes care of his bride. And it is so important that we see it that way. It's so important that, we, that when you hear elders or staff or community group leaders or any form of leadership, that what doesn't come up is like, oh, title. They have a title. Or, oh, they're spiritual. Or, or oh, this is what they do and, you know, whatever, and it's all like mechanical. We have to see it as like, wow, God really, he really wants his church to grow and to look more like him and to be nourished. And so he left all these plans and all, he laid everything out so that while he's gone, he knew she would be okay. It's awesome. Look at Acts 20. Here's Paul. He's speaking to these elders and he's teaching them. And um, so I'll walk through these verses really quickly. Look at, uh, on the right page. Yeah, okay. Look at verse 28. Just pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. All right, let's, let's just stop. We'll just go one verse at a time. Pay careful attention to yourselves. You want, and... and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce back and forth between informing our minds about elders and what they do and all that kind of stuff and then blessing our hearts with the care and provision of a groom for his bride. Okay, so I'm just going to go back and forth, and you just kind of just, just stick with me, okay? Um, pay careful attention to yourselves. You want someone to serve as a pastor of your church, someone who is going to make their relationship with God an absolute priority. You don't want someone who's going to do it halfway. Pay careful attention to yourselves. This is Paul telling these elders, guys, take care of yourself. I've talked about it before. It's like, like the, uh, the instructions on a flight, you know, about the oxygen mask coming down. They tell parents to put theirs on first before they take care of their kids. Because you do nobody any good if you're, like, passed out on the ground. Your kid's like, hey, what's going on? I don't understand you got to take care of yourself first. It's like in a marriage, um, in a family. I mean, the husband, if he's going to provide leadership to that home, he's got to take care of himself first. That's not selfish. That's wise. So Paul tells them, pay careful attention to yourselves. Then he says, and to all the flock. You don't want elders who are just going to sit around and uh, tend to those people that they like. You want those elders 
who are, are like uh, in Luke 15, where you have the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. You want the elders who are not going to be satisfied with 99% of everybody being cared for. You want the elders who say, all right, 99% are good. We still got some work to do because there's 1% who feel left out, who don't understand the gospel, who need ministry, who need care. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. And so that's the character of, of, of the, the kind of men that God wants to put, in, put as overseers of the church. That's what he says in the next verse. I mean, the next part, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is not a random group of people. They have some really screwed up churches out there, and um, hopefully we're not one of them, and we're not going to be one of them. Um, but one reason why a lot of churches are messed up is because it's just like a, like, like, um, some kind of like boys club. And all they do is just keep rotating the same couple of guys through this leadership, whatever. There's not a spiritual moment in the whole process. You want as an elder someone that the Holy Spirit has put there. Because if leadership in a church is, is Jesus graciously protecting his bride, you want to make sure that Jesus is the one making the call. See, when my buddy, when we were gone and he was making sure his wife was okay, he picked, all the, he picked the people that would check in on her. He took matters into his own hands to make sure that she was protected. And so this whole process, as we're praying, we're saying, God, what should we, should we bring more people in? Who, if, if so, we just want who you want. It is this most prayerful, maybe the most prayerful, um, like, experience that I've seen consistently happen in the life of this church is bringing in of elders. Um, it doesn't matter the fact that we have a pretty small church and we're all pretty much friends. Um, Whatever the Spirit wants is, is what we want, no matter what. So it's not a random group. It's his provision for our church, and not just our church. This is the plan for every church. Because God loves his bride. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. The term overseer, it's like the, it's, it's, um, the steward of a household. If someone had uh, this big house and all this property and stuff like that, and they were to leave town, they would appoint someone who was then in charge of all the affairs of the household. All the servants, all the tasks, all the money, all the everything um, was to be overseen by this person that God has entrusted there. And so our elders at this church, uh, they have this big picture um, approach to things. They were overseers. So yes, when it comes to church constitution issues, the elders are the ones that have to drudge through that sucker and figure out what we need to change. When it comes to budgeting, and the elders are the overseers of that to make sure that one day when we, I don't even know how this will work, but one day we'll stand before God to give an account, and yes, it's going to involve money as well. But that oversight also involves ministry, it involves our ministry teams, it involves admin conspiracy, it involves Sunday nights, I mean, it involves everything and so our church is structured in such a way where there are six things that our elders have to have the approval of the membership in order to be able to do. And literally everything else as a part of our membership process, if you're going to be a member, you say, I willingly submit in every other area to whatever it is the elders want to do. The elders feel like the pastor needs to be fired. As a member, you're saying, I submit to your leadership because you guys 
are the overseers designated by the Spirit to protect our church. And this is why, in the last part of the verse, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Which he obtained with his own blood. So Jesus leaves heaven, comes to earth, lives a perfect life, goes to the cross, redeems everything, or reconciled back to him. Then he leaves and goes to heaven. But before he leaves, he leaves all these instructions with these guys, and he takes off. And these instructions are all about protecting the bride that he died for. Now, I've never had to die for anything or anyone. I've never had to even get injured for anybody. Never even had to come close to making that decision. But I would imagine when you've laid down your life, you've sacrificed in some kind of way, there's some sort of bond and connection that happens there. So what Paul is telling these elders and what we all have to understand is that the way the church is structured as the elders protect because of the radical importance that is placed on you and I. Jesus says, I died for you. I'm going to make sure you're okay while I'm in heaven. And until I come back to get you, you're going to be fine. And this is the way I'm going to ensure it, by putting godly men as overseers. This is what the church does. That that one verse is full of so much truth that we could spend weeks on it. Let me keep reading. If someone would turn the air back on, I will let you skip me in line. Potluck. Is Megan in here? There we go. All right. So you got to let Megan skip me now. Great. Um, Let's keep going. Look at 29. I'm going to knock these out real fast. Verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. All right? He's like, look, as soon as I leave, people are going to come in, they're going to say some crazy stuff. He describes them as like fierce wolves among all the sheep of God. That is another way that God protects us, is by putting people as overseers and as protectors those who are, are trying to filter all the bull that is being fed to us all the time. And a lot of, of what, what we camp on here at the ring is about lies versus truth. Lies versus truth. That's so much what we talk about. This would also include really bad preaching. So if you put on your Facebook page, oh, I'm so addicted to such, such preacher's podcast, and that preacher is preaching craziness, um, it's our job as elders to... Uh, to write on your wall. Probably to to send you a message in your inbox. Okay. Uh, It's our job to make sure that that you're not listening to a wolf. Every book that you see on the shelf when you go to Lifeway, which I hope you don't go to a lot. I'm just kidding. Um, Every book out there is not the gospel truth. Every pastor out there is not preaching the real gospel. Um, And it is part of our job as elders and a part of the way Jesus graciously protects you from all that stuff. Um, It's it's our job to speak up when we see those things. Um, Same thing with unhealthy relationships. Same thing with people who try to come into our church and they're a wolf in sheep's clothing and they start causing division. 
or spreading lies or saying crazy stuff in community group or whatever. Um, it's our job to try and protect the body from those kinds of just cancerous things that happen. Um, that's a tough one, but it's our job. So um, if I come up one Sunday night and there's a book that means a whole lot to you and I criticize it because it theologically is wrong, I need you to know that I do that out of love and not because I'm writing a rival book that I just really want to sell more copies of. So um, protection of the flock um, from the spiritual harm that can come our way out there. That's another way that God looks at his bride and says, I want to make sure you're okay. And so he puts overseers there to help do that. Uh, look at verse 31. It says, therefore, be alert. Be alert. That's the hardest part for me about being an elder, is staying alert. Um, yeah. And that's why we have a plurality of elders. Well, it's not just me trying to stay up all the time and be alert. That's why I have six other guys who are there helping watch over and pray and trying to maintain relationships and trying to listen and trying to respond and, and, and trying to be better at pastoring the church. I mean, that's why. Paul says, therefore, be alert. This is, this is how he took care of it. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. To admonish everyone with tears, to warn them. I mean, Paul was, he was emotional about the lies and the deceit and the issues that were out there. That's the kind of elders that you want. You want elders who will go to battle for you, who will tell you the truth, who will pray for you, who will love you, and who will do whatever it takes to protect. And I don't want you to hear me exalting the elder board. I want you to see me exalting a Savior who loves his bride enough to say, I'm going to do whatever I can to ensure your protection. Because I promise you, not a single elder on our elder board now, or whoever has been or whoever will be, is like, I'm so awesome because I'm an elder. We read that that passage and we're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I'm an elder. It's the scariest thing ever to talk about this stuff. It says, so be alert. You have to be alert. Verse 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Commends them to God and to the word of grace. Relationship with God, staying in the word, because that's, that's, what, that's how you know who's a wolf and who's not a wolf. Knowing the word of God. Go verse uh, 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. And in in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In that verse, he talks about working hard. It's something our elders have talked about a good bit. Guarding the flock, overseeing the flock, protecting, being alert, all these things. It's just hard work. We have guys on our elder board who are married and who have kids. They have a, it's a lot on one plate to keep in order. Again, we have seven. It's where our accountability comes from. 
That's how we're able to make sure nobody's family gets sacrificed. That's how we make sure no one burns out as we, we keep up with each other and we pray with each other. And when we see issues, we do our best to take care of them. And, and we're learning and we're growing and we're trying. But one thing that we're not trying to do is lose sight of the fact that the way God has organized his bride is for our protection. It's awesome when you, when you read it. It's awesome when you think about the great lengths that he has gone to to make sure that we're going to be okay. And this is what is, that's what said of elders. But I think the principle goes beyond that as well. Um, God has put elders in place to equip the saints for work of ministry, and he's also assembled a staff and community group leaders and MTXs and all these people that have like tasks and they have titles or whatever, but that's because we need titles because organisms are organized and so that's the way it works. But everything else fits into there too because every person um, has a role to play. And, and honestly, I'm not trying to like over-spiritualize this, but how beautiful is it that we're about to have a potluck dinner after talking about this. Because in a potluck dinner, there is no like master chef that everyone can like applaud for or whatever. It's not like one or two people that work super hard and everybody else just reaps the benefits. It's there's all kinds of people who've been cooking, you know, all afternoon. And you had to think about what am I gonna make and this and this and this and what do I make that's awesome, you know, and, and how can I sign up for this and you know, whatever. What's all spread out over there in the chapel and all those different dishes is really, it's, it's a cool picture, I think, of the way that the body is just, that's what it is. Like, everybody brings something to the table. And there's people like me, me who aren't bringing anything in there, but I'm participating in the dinner. I'm a part of the event. That's how it is within the body of Christ, is there are there's some who serve as elders and some people have titles or whatever, and some people have biblical like qualifications they have to like, you know, whatever. We all go through phases, like I said last week, where sometimes you're just you you are so um, hindered by fear or doubt or whatever, where you just need to receive the love and the care of all the people around you. And you're just like, I just don't have much to offer. There are other times where, where you do have something to offer. You just need people to help you along a little bit. And, and there's just so much in, involved in the life of the body. It's always changing and always growing. But I hope that, the, that one of the takeaways for us tonight is the fact that like Jesus very strategically put things together. Just like my buddy very strategically made sure his wife was okay. Because he literally bought us with his own blood. Not because he was obligated, not because we could benefit him in any way, not because we earned it. Just completely unmerited favor in every way you look at it. So if we're talking about the grace of being saved or the grace of daily life or the grace of the way the church is put together, it's just grace after grace after grace after grace after grace. Everywhere you look, it's all, it all has to point back to the Savior 
who's just unlike anything else we've ever seen. And as we go into Advent, we celebrate the fact that he showed up. It's awesome. So I hope that this, I hope that, I hope that both things happen. I hope you feel informed in your mind. I hope that you are praying about if anybody should be nominated and if so, who it is and all that kind of stuff. But also I hope that you feel loved and cared for by your Savior who left the earth for a little while, but he made provision for all of us. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to hand it over to um, another one of the pastors here uh, to close us out. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you, and um, we know that you love us. And there are, are so many ways that we know that. Um, God, I uh, thank you for, um, for bringing us to this place tonight where, where we see another way that you love us that maybe we hadn't thought about before, a way that I haven't really thought much of, to be honest. Seems like church structure and organization is always just kind of, it's never really had a, uh, a whole lot of like deep meaning. So God, I pray that you'll continue to, to show us that, um, that that is an expression of your love for us as well. We thank you, God, that you love us so much. We are not always the prettiest bride and we're not always kind. We don't always return that love, we don't always, we don't always function the way that we should, but even in all of our shortcomings, there, there is your gracious love, um, and for that, we are, we're, we'll be eternally grateful, and that is very literal, um, so God, we love you, and we thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right. John, you can bring those lights back up. It'll be okay. Um, I don't know. I think John's coming or Jake. Or...